Hello, everyone. Everyone. Bloody hell. That's failed at the first hurdle. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Hello, everyone. I'm Tom Kay. I'm here from Dogfight Podcast, and this is the first of our one-on-one series where I'll be interviewing a interesting person. Uh, each time we'll be doing this, yeah, we'll do we'll do sort of like a one-on-one sort of interview, and it's a new format for us, so this will be the first one. And what better person to start with than the legend that is Megan Wright? How are you doing? You're joining me via clean feed because obviously we're still in lockdown. So how's how's things going, Meg? Um, I'm very well, thank you, Tom. How are you? I'm all right, thanks. Yeah. How long has it been since you've been back from Australia, Meg? Because you were you were started you started off lockdown in Australia, but you you're back home now. I did, yeah. Um, I was um, volunteering over in a camp in Australia, sort of doing outdoor education. I was absolutely loving it until all the school trips cancelled that um, were supposed to be coming to the camp for obvious reasons. Um, that happened around the middle of March, so I started looking at flights home. Uh, didn't get a flight home until the 10th of April, <laughs> due to cancellations, uncertainty. Um, but I mean, being on lockdown in Australia wasn't too bad. There are worse places in the world to be stuck. I was living on the campground, so I had access to all the recreational activities there, so I could still take myself on the climbing wall, or if I so wish there was a pool that I could have gone in. and. We had frisbee, tennis, basketball. So that was really sweet. And then, yeah, I got back to the UK on the 10th of April. Uh, and I've just been um, at home in Chesterfield since then, really. So how how did you find the sort of like acclimatising back into like life in the UK once you once you got home? Because obviously, like, you're basically on your summer holiday because it's, it's the winter in it in Australia. So you're on your summer holiday. And then, I guess... The fucking legs are taken out of you with with this whole situation and then there's obviously the stress of having to organize flights and stuff so i can imagine it was an awful situation but I, as i say i take your point it probably is the best place to be uh, if you're in lockdown yeah it was it was stressful and there were definitely sad days because although we're in australia we couldn't actually see our friends they were very strict on the lockdown there a lot stricter than they um then they are in the uk at the moment so for example if you were caught driving unnecessarily it was um i think around an 800 pound fine it was around 1600 australian dollars so 800 pounds whereas here i think the fine's 60 pounds or something isn't it, like that so um you just can't be I, was can you? Up, <laughs> I was living um living in this house with one other girl i was traveling with so i wasn't completely on my own but it was frustrating knowing we had friends so close by that we couldn't see uh, and of course the uncertainty, we knew that we were in a relatively safe place because w- we were in the middle of nowhere. We're in this tiny little village. If you look it up on Wikipedia, it's called Glenmore. There are 63 inhabitants and we were on 80 hectares of land. I could not have been safer. But you see all the things from the uh, Foreign Office for Travel and stuff like that saying UK travellers must come home now. And it was really difficult for me because... I'm like, why? I was safe. Why have I got... And you see all the news stories that it's getting increasingly worse in the UK. And to avoid London and lockdowns getting stricter and cases are still rising. To me, it doesn't make sense to go home, leave this safe place. But flights were getting more and more infrequent, as I I had two cancelled anyway. Um, But luckily, I managed to get a a flight home uh, 
without any problems. There was no cancellations once I got to the airport, mercifully. So once I was actually on the planes, it was it was all good. I was pretty bummed when I was first back in the UK, uh, as you can well imagine. But um, it is what it is. It'll be a good story one day, won't it? Did you hear about the gap year I tried to take and a global pandemic hit? Um, <laughs> so not many you... people will be able to say that. It says you're right for having a gap year. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, yeah. Uh, it's, it's a shame though because you didn't get a chance to find yourself but I'm sure there'll be other opportunities I didn't find myself no oh, <laughs> I was supposed to be going to Bali and Thailand and Vietnam doing all this philosophical reflection snatched taken away from it on uh, well I'm glad that you're home anyway because obviously you can be with your family and that so that's, it's good It's good to have you back um, so yeah let, let's start let's start with the interview I guess um, we just picked out a few a few nice questions to to speak about so the first one would be um what first got you into fighting meg what was the thing that got you got you sort of hooked on the on the sport so it's actually kind of a funny story um i've got an older brother he's five years older than me and um we were just at home one day and a flyer came through our letterbox and there was a kickboxing club opening in our village and my brother i was six my brother was 11 and he was really keen to go. It actually wasn't me that was interested. And he went to the first session and he came home and was like, I'm going to learn how to kill you. And me, age six, he already used to beat me up without a knowledge of fighting. So I thought, oh man, I've really got to learn how to defend myself here. So then the next week I was like, mom, I think I want to go to kickboxing as well. <laughs> um, not really understanding it, to be honest. Like I didn't really have a concept that it was a, fighting sport I think being the younger sister I just wanted to do what my older brother did anyway and there was the fear but um I just ended up really taking to it like I loved it and then I would never miss a lesson always had to go on a Sunday night to kickboxing I started competing when I was seven which looking back was quite irresponsible parenting by my dad who used to take me to these fights so I think if I had a seven-year-old now I wouldn't <laughs> let them fight but um I just loved it and I just carried it on all through my childhood teenage years right up until university so that's like 16 years experience no not 16 years 16 years experience my maths is awful something like that pretty much yeah i've had a couple of years out so i took sort of two years off when i was in sixth form but um, i think in total it's about 14 years wow that is a serious amount of time thank you and um so so like what what's you what's been your like sort of favorite experience from that from that period of time like what's your what's your sort of like career highlight so so to speak i think my favorite point was um my instructor whenever we'd have a grading for the next belt the final hour of the grading he called spirit training and it was just one hour of hard exercise it sometimes it would be like um a particular challenge so we'd have to hold plank for say a minute then we'd have 30 seconds off a minute 30 seconds off a minute for an hour or something like that or sometimes it was stand against a wall and we had to sort of leaning on the wall throw round kicks as many round kicks as we could and we didn't stop until we physically couldn't kick anymore um and i really like that he called it spirit training because actually he didn't care how many kicks you could do or if you just could not do a round of the plank as long as he saw that you were given absolutely 100% pushed yourself to your limit and could not go further, he was happy and you passed that part of the grading. 
And I think that is without realising something I've taken into my later life because sort of whenever I do any, not just exercise, even in sort of my academic life and stuff like that, I now have this sense that I go to until I hit 100% and I push that limit until I can't anymore. So I'm really grateful for that experience and the mentality that it brought up, uh, I grew up with or it brought into me. Yeah, that, that's an amazing attitude, definitely. Um, I mean, I've, I've had the honour of being, being taught by you as well at, uh, at, at the university. So you were my first striking coach. And um, oh. I just remember that the sort of like the Sally up and the, and the Roxanne things we do at the end of training and thinking like, Jesus, that's like so hard. And that's only like two minutes of like, you know, doing squats or something like that. And, and I mean, yeah. people will know I'm not I'm not the biggest on cardio, so I can't really be bothered doing that. But the fact that you've like <laughs> you've been doing these sort of spirit sets for well, yeah, spirit sets for for ages. That's a yeah, that's testament to sort of like your your like whole attitude and mentality with with regard to fighting. That's really really cool. Thank you very much. And I suppose as yeah, well, something I'm very grateful for that is um i suppose it's infectious as well like if you if you if you're sort of like training together as a group that i, I guess that's like you're sort of like feeding off each other so that's a really cool Absolutely, attitude yeah so maybe, maybe one day i'll do some spirit sets <laughs> maybe i'll <laughs> 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 let me know how they go i'll give that a go so <laughs> meg you were you were at the university of york for three three years right you did you did your master's yes. over in germany uh, so you I were, did, yeah. you were a member of the MMA club for three, all three years. Did you start in the very beginning? I did. I think I went to the first session that was available to me in um, first year. I knew that the MMA club was what I wanted to join when I came to York. So I found that table at Freshers' Fair, got the flyer, and yeah, I went to the first session I could, which was I think the Freshers' Fair was on the Saturday of week one and then monday week two i started training at first year that's amazing so can you tell me a little bit about your experiences fighting at the university because you have you fought at you fought at fight nights and you've done jujitsu competitions as well and uh yeah you've, you've even like traveled to different universities to fight can you just elaborate a little bit on your experiences fighting at the uni yeah absolutely so um for all three years i took part in the university of york's own fight night which was always a massive effort. Um, for two of the years, I was part of the committee as well that put on the event. So I know firsthand just how much hard work goes into putting on such an event. So to then be on the stage and be able to perform was, was fantastic. Um, I mainly fought K1, to be honest. Um, I do enjoy jits, but um, K1 is my strength, obviously with the kickboxing experience. And I found being a girl, it was easier to find opponents that were also interested in K1 because kickboxing, Thai boxing is a um, more widely practiced sport than mixed martial arts itself. So I did have uh, two K1 kickboxing fights, which I won, one at the University of York uh, and one up in Durham. Um, so a team, as a, as a uni MMA team, we went up to Durham. I fought a girl from Portsmouth. It was a really, really good fight. Um, so that was also fun to go to a different university, different arena, to not have the home crowd behind you. I mean, we did take up a fantastic support base. Uh, people were shouting Yorkshire from the crowd, which definitely spurred me on. But um, yeah, it was really interesting to have a different kind of dynamic and to go to a different university. And um, like you said, um, I've done BJJ competitions. So I did the... Um, I, 
BJJF, yeah, yeah um, right. university, university competitions um, for the beginner girls, and I got a, a couple of bronzes and a silver during my time at university, which I was pretty pleased with because, like I say, I always feel that my jits will never be as good as my striking ability, so sometimes it's harder to find the motivation to train, and especially at the club, you know, there are some girls that are my size, but a lot of the time it's training with the heavier guys, and... <laughs> I love it, don't get me wrong, but uh, sometimes when they just lie on you and you can't do anything, <laughs> finding that motivation to train and stuff like looking at you, Tom. I know, we, we've <laughs> sparred a few times, haven't we, Meg? <laughs> this is the thing, um, this is the thing with, with, like, which is absolutely no disrespect. If it came to, if it came to, like, sort of, like, fighting with, you know, like, stand-up fight, yeah. I would probably die yeah. in, like, I, w- I wouldn't even give myself a minute. Like, I'd say <laughs> 20 seconds of Meg going full pelt. Yeah. But that's the difference when it's when you're sort of sparring with someone who's like 30, 30 odd kilograms lighter than you. You can sort of mm-hmm. brute force it, which to be fair, it mm-hmm. doesn't really it doesn't really sh- prove much. It doesn't really show much because obviously it should all be about technique rather than you know brute strength. So uh, that's one for that's one for people who are training with like uh, uh, opponents, I guess. It's just to. But on the other hand, it meant that when I went to these competitions, it was so nice to be training with or competing with girls my size that comparatively it felt you know okay I was like wow I could you know attempt sweeps and they'd actually move and <laughs> stuff like this so I think it does have its advantages the fact that sort of I had to learn how to sweep by maybe a guy that's 10 20 kilos heavier than me it means when I sweep a girl my weight or lighter it's actually pretty easy and um one of the girls actually said to me after one of the fights um you are so strong. And I do think it is purely from trying to just tense stuff and more with heavy guys. I do think it's a training strategy, really, even if it's not the most motivating sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, yeah, and, and you, you uh, we spoke about this previously about you having uh, been a coach and being on committee. And how have you mm-hmm. how have you found that uh, how did you find that like was that was that like an additional challenge because of course you've trained for so long but then to like sort of like teach people who've never never striked before did you find that uh, an additional challenge on top of that to a certain extent yes because sort of you have to break everything down for me it's second nature how to throw a body kick i can do it without thinking to then actually dissect it and teach it step by step was quite strange but it was something I really enjoyed because now I can sort of in my head visualize a body kick it so okay so you take a step out with the front foot 45 degrees then you're going to turn your hips in you keep your rear leg straight like a baseball bat you turn the hips in so you hit down 90 degrees from where they started so for me it was a good opportunity to learn because like you say I've been doing it so long that sort of it was just a oh, body kick body kick and to take a step back and to look at it point by point for me was really enjoyable and um yeah i want to be a teacher anyway in the future so i do enjoy taking a concept and making it into something that's more sort of tangible and accessible to other people so i i took a great deal of pleasure in coaching uh particularly when you see people that have never done MMA before and they absolutely throw themselves into it. There is nothing 
more rewarding than them just being super dedicated, turning up to all the training, taking all the advice on board that you give to the point where at the end of the academic year, they feel ready to step in a cage and show people what they can do. It's massive. Like, it's terrifying because I think most of their striking knowledge comes from me. <laughs> but it's so rewarding when you see that they believe in themselves enough to put themselves out there and sort of challenge themselves and go into a fight. It's awesome. It's really awesome. That is that is a great sort of experience that we get to have at uni. Is obviously the, you know, people who've been training for years coming together and sp- like spreading their knowledge and then. You know, then you see people who've never done it before and they're like actually stepping up in the cage or even in the ring mm-hmm. if we're doing like K1 sometimes. Like, yeah, that's, mm-hmm. that's, that's really cool to see, like even just from the from the outside looking in. Um, So yes, yeah, so, so moving on, um, we've, we touched on at, at the beginning, obviously like being a girl and having like, you know, lads that you've been training with and stuff um, like within, within the sport and how you found it difficult to get girls uh, to match up with for like, MMA fights and yeah. things like that. So I'm just I'm just wondering yeah. like what your perspective would be on how we could encourage more girls to try the sport, or like how 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 you felt yourself uh, when you first started being one of the only girls. Yeah, um, yeah, it's uh, it's a good question. It's definitely something that's close to my heart. I obviously feel passionate about martial arts. I see all the benefits as I've mentioned already. Sort of you've got the fitness you've got the strength but i think what a lot of people forget is uh like the social side so we are all fantastic friends at the mixed martial arts society and it is a sociable activity you go and you train one-on-one with someone or you train in small groups so it's a really good way to get to know people quite quickly um so i definitely think there's that aspect that you can really as opposed to maybe going to the gym where you might work strength or cardio or whatever you want to work on but it can be quite isolating quite lonely and you might lack the motivation if you're just going by yourself whereas there was never a single training session I didn't want to go to because I knew I would go my friends would be there it would be something I enjoy which I also think is really good for mental health you know Mm. you're going somewhere you know you're going to let off steam your friends are going to be there you're doing something good for your body whereas I appreciate the gym is very good for a lot of people's mental health as well but is it to it a double-edged sword is what they say yeah if you sort of don't go then you feel bad and you lack the motivation one day because you're going by yourself then it can also be a little bit demotivating um you're right when i joined um i think there were five six girls that trained regularly so it was a little bit frightening even with my i think i had around 10 11 years experience there i was still a little bit intimidated to go even though i knew i would know what i was doing so some of the girls that were there that were complete beginners i completely admired because i I would never be that brave you know just walk into sort of mixed martial arts uh, not knowing anything it being i think the committee was almost entirely male i think there was one woman on the committee but um yeah i think we were instantly supported the, it was something that the club really wanted to work on which i think was fantastic they were very much aware of the gender divide and mixed martial arts in general so they immediately made us feel welcome uh, we never felt that we couldn't ask a question or that we were any different from any any other anyone else that was there that was training it really was fantastic 
and if anything it sort of made us more close-knit because you know the girls would initially group together which you know I know there's a segregation element which isn't ideal but it did make us really really good friends and I'm still friends with one of the girls I met in one of the first sessions in mixed martial arts so they are the sort of friendships you can make and sort of as you build confidence and you get to talk to everyone in the club and everyone was just fantastic and like I said we felt really welcome I would yeah I would definitely say give it a go it's just three seconds of courage that's all you need <laughs> just to walk through those doors be there and settle in and you'll never look back oh, I definitely agree I think as well like the the sort of like like you're saying about the sort of tight-knit group and stuff I feel like it is your mm. your sort of like I don't want to say generation because obviously generation seems seems silly but like your your like group group of people who came in together so like your Astrid's mm your Rianne's, your Violets and people like that you know you definitely but by, by being there from the very beginning definitely sort of like put that sort of framework in to 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 like for the club to grow in that sort of direction of of getting more girls involved because you just look at you know you look at the sort of like makeup of the club now and the committee like I mean there's more girls on the committee now probably than ever before uh, especially yeah. in the last like year, uh, few years you've got people who are like you know regularly trying to compete and stuff like that like you've got uh, like your daisies and your netties and your denises yeah. who you know will always put their put yeah. themselves forward and that of course the ellas are a big part of the club as well uh mm-hmm. so obviously like the, the club's in safe hands but it was in safe hands prior so i suppose each you know from from this like having these sort of like confident people who are like putting in that that sort of like grind at the very beginning is definitely allowing and, and encouraging more people to join so yeah no that's really that's really cool it's really cool to hear about as well thank you so um yeah moving on to our next question um mm-hmm. i want to ask you about like your sort of like sporting icons and inspirations and things like that like who 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 inspires you as an athlete to sort of like push you that step further step, uh, excuse me that step further yeah well in germany i took up rugby because i couldn't find uh, a mixed martial arts team and i have got to say I do look up to rugby players because the athleticism you require for rugby is phenomenal. You have to be super strong and super fit and super fast. I think in terms of like an all-round athlete, I do think rugby players are pretty aspirational. Um, I did enjoy it, but I do think my heart belongs to kickboxing because I just cannot get into those sprints, you know. (laughs) But um, in terms of sort of in the general... um, world of athletics and stuff like that I've got to say I was really impressed a few years ago by Alison Felix uh, she's one of the most decorated sprinters of all time, athletes of all time in fact And uh, it made me really sad actually because I read this article online that um, she had this dream to be both an athlete and a mother and she just didn't think that was possible, thought it was crazy and she fell pregnant around the time that um, her contract renewal was up with Nike and Nike said that they would um, be cutting her pay to 70% of what it was because when she came back from pregnancy she wasn't going to be as good an athlete which I find horrible really I think that's that's really offensive isn't it you're trying to constantly get women involved in sports and have role models for young women to look up to and I think Alison Felix is definitely a role model and then for her to be told you're not worth as much once you're a mother, I think is a terrible message to send out. Um, so Felix sort of 
said she would accept the 70% pay cut if they agreed not to punish her further if she couldn't reach her pre-birth standards. So if she were to race after she'd given birth and her times weren't as good, she asked for a guarantee from Nike that they wouldn't further decrease her pay and they didn't agree to that, um, wow. which I think is awful. And then um, she went on, on to leave Nike and I think good honor. Uh, she joined a small company called Athlea or something like that who'd never had a sponsored athlete before so she really did a good thing for a small company as well. She then went on to compete in a 4 by 400 meter mixed gender relay. They took the gold medal and she became um, the most decorated star in World Athletic Championships so she has 12 gold medals now which yeah. overtook Usain Bolt's record yeah. of 11 gold medals at World Athletic Championships so I think it's I think that's really awesome that she had the courage to step away from this amazing big brand Nike because yeah. she thought they were unjust and rightly so because how can she be a role model if she's accepting that she's less of an athlete or worth less after motherhood so I yeah, think that well, was really courageous and really cool way to stick it to Nike as well like that's, that's yeah, yeah absolutely well that, yeah Oh, that is a that's an amazing story definitely so um transitioning to a bit more of a i don't want to say light-hearted sort of question but i mm. guess it is it's sort of our uh a question we were pondered on the last uh, podcast episode something that was uh, uh handed towards by mick so i guess um with 16 well 14 years experience two years off all that kickboxing experience what do you think is the largest animal you could uh, knock out in a single strike? That could be a head it's kick, it could mention. be a knee. <laughs> it could be, It's yeah. funny you should mention this because I actually had to consider this on the weekend. So I went for a socially distant, very alert walk around the Peak District um, with one friend from a different household, but we did remain two metres apart at all times. Um, and we had to cross a cow field and I am terrified of cows. <laughs> I, I'm very unpredictable. Uh, I did not enjoy the crossing of the cow field. However, I did say to my friend, I was like, I think if absolutely pushed, I could knock out a cow. Because I think they are scary, but they're also very easily spooked if cars, the movie, is accurate. You know, when they go like cow tipping. <laughs> this is what I'm basing it on, right? So I think if one if a cow were to charge at me and I would just do a right cross right on its nose, I would hope that it would be sufficiently stunned to just tip over and that would be like a TKO. Is that is that not the sort of same like same sort of like theory as like if you jump off a building and then there's like an elevator coming up and like if you like you see it in movies and you land on the elevator the elevator is just going to mm -hmm. fucking kill you do you not think that's the same like you're you're going to punch this cow and the cow's running at like full pelt you not think that the, the sort of like the force that the cow's like exerting on, on your fist is is actually going to counteract your your strike in any way <laughs> or do you think that's complete what nonsense I'm gonna do, what i'm gonna do is i'm gonna look the cow dead in the eyes as i do it <laughs> so it fears me and it starts to slow down and then sort of i've got more forward momentum in my strike than the cow has running towards me i'm, I'm sort of i think if i acted quickly enough i could maybe get a head kick in in the neck but it's higher risk because if i miss that then i'm 
I'm on my back and I'm going to be trampled. Oh, so I played it safe and gone for the strike. This 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 whole question again, like you know, when we when we first discussed it on the podcast, we were saying about how it was hypothetical and it was all going to come back to haunt us eventually, like saying that we'd beat up cats and dogs and shit. But you've actually gone full force and said you've actually considered fighting a cow. So I feel <laughs> like <laughs> I feel like you're 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 if on the I register pushed, if anyone is. <laughs> I I tried to stay as far away from them as I could. It was absolutely last case scenario considerations was if there was one charging towards me and I'm stuck in the corner of this field because I was like walled in, I was like, I just punch it straight in the nose. I mean apparently that's what they tell divers to do with sharks. Oh yeah, yeah, and you go, you go for you the eyes as well. Shark square in the nose or in the eyes. Yeah, I don't know what to do. Well, well, I mean, yeah, I suppose it makes sense. But I've just one upped the shark. I think a cow is one up from a shark. <laughs> I think Morgan originally said that he could knock out a cow, and I think I said no. But I guess <laughs> I, 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 I'm still hesitant to say that you could knock out a cow. But if there's anyone who's going to knock out a cow between you and Morgan, I'd say it was you, Meg. Thank you, Tom. That means a lot. <laughs> Oh, this is mental. And I think we'll finish on a final question. I was originally going to ask what makes you uh, the most angry, but I feel like that's sort of my gimmick at this point. So I'm going to I'm going <laughs> to ask for your for your consideration uh, as to who deserves to be knobhead of the week. Oh, knobhead of the week. Well, that's a tricky one. I suppose Nike I think... Nike have got to be in the running, but. Yeah, this was, this was a very long time ago. Um, can I make it personal? Yeah, you can make it personal. All right, I'm going to make Rianne knobhead of the week for her <laughs> shit posting of absolutely <laughs> bottom tier memes <laughs> in the group chat. Just the lowest quality pun you could find, and she is posting them. For for so anyone, that's my knobhead of the week. For anyone like uninitiated, like this this sort of like these memes genuinely are the sort of thing you'd find in like 2012 on like your mum's ipad <laughs> like they, they, they're not they're not like you know there's no big brain think to it at all there's no like there's to be fair i feel like when when this comes up i'm gonna put i'm gonna put a story on the instagram post of like some of the some of the memes that she's put in just for a bit of context but yeah no, that's they that's fair enough bottom tier so rianne, rianne roberts is nobbit of the week it's quite funny that we've yeah. had we've had a like the the virgin dude what's he called fucking hell richard branson richard branson's been a previous oh, knobhead yeah. of the week and boris johnson's so made the call yeah so, so she's in she's in yeah. such treasured company of, of knobhead yeah. of the week i do i do i do like that you've for anyone you've gone... that doesn't know rianne or have sort of a knowledge of rianne's taste in memes i think the fact that she is on a par with richard branson and boris johnson should tell you just how bad these puns are that she's sending in the chat yeah they're not good so as i as i'm about to wrap up i have to say thank you very much for for coming on and being interviewed meg it's 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 thank you for having me it's really important that we've had you as the first one as obviously like your sort of like history with fighting and 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 your roles in the committees and things like that like you're definitely a treasured member and a valuable member of the of the university mma uh, club as a whole uh, especially in its history thank you very much um and i suppose a question i'd like to ask is are we ever going to see you in a, in a ring again or a cage can we expect to Ooh. see you fight again dust off the old gloves i would love to um i'm starting sort of my teacher training in september and i'm definitely looking to 
find at least a kickboxing, if not MMA, at least a kickboxing gym that I can join in Nottingham where I'm going to be based because I am really missing it at the moment. I've been, I've been trying to incorporate uh, a little bit of kickboxing or MMA into my cardio workouts that I'm doing at the minute. So a few sprawls and a few knees. I am craving some MMA. So never say never. Could be back in the ring in a year or so. That'd be cool. And we'd definitely have to be there. Of course, if, any, if anyone wants to see any of Meg's fights, she has got a few of them on the YouTube channel. I'm, I'm sure she mm-hmm. definitely has the one with Rachel. I think you may have the, the infamous one with the with a girl who had a kidney failure or something. What was that oh, all about? Yeah. <laughs> um, that's, um, yeah, against a girl called Holly. Uh, she fought whilst uh, being treated for a kidney and was taken on Um or like credit to her, she said after the match she didn't want to let anybody down, which is why she took it against the doctor's advice, which, you know, fair play, that's part of a fighter really. Um, but unfortunately, yeah, she just became too exhausted in the second round and um collapsed, which was quite frightening. Yeah. I mean I suppose it sort of comes with the territory, I guess. But at the same time, yeah, no. Nah. <laughs> Well, way to put a downer on that, Tom. Anyway, before before I, <laughs> before I plug my pluggables, is there anything you wanna you wanna plug or any any sort of like anything going on in the world of Meg that you want everyone to know about or anything like that? Or are you all good? I will share one thing. I will share one thing, Tom K. Yeah. I got a call from the NHS blood donation service today, um, because they are desperate for blood donors. Uh, they called me and they've actually managed to get me in an appointment tomorrow, and they're really desperate. So if you've donated blood before, definitely have a look into donating blood. It's really important, especially at times like this. The NHS is already under so much pressure. Donating blood, it only takes an hour. You get some free biscuits, maybe a packet of crisps if you're lucky. <laughs> um, and it, it does do the world of good. It does count as essential travel, so you are allowed to go and do a blood donation. And yet, if you're really bored in self-isolation or in isolation, as I am, it is a good thing to do so check if you can give blood kids it's important yeah definitely i'll 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 definitely say that's that's the worthy worthy cause 100 percent. so as as we're finishing up now um don't forget to subscribe to us on youtube follow us on instagram uh on on spotify and itunes and all the good and evil podcast retailers uh like us on facebook uh you can find us at dogfight podcast on facebook dogfight uk on youtube and instagram and dogfight jujitsu at gmail.com if you want to email us thank you very much meg for for coming on this again and i hope everyone stays safe you're very welcome stay safe stay alert protect the nhs and remember to get better at doing these outro segments i guess (laughs) thank you very much tom k out meg right out and dogfight out